A brief warning. This episode deals with the death of an animal. Discretion is advised. My daddy may now make an announcement. Nope, we're not cool anymore. I will bite off your genitals right now. You are listening to the bitterest pill. Apparently, I think humans are disgusting. I think humans are disgusting right now. You are listening to the bitterest pill. Hello and welcome to the bitterest pill. It's Dad Class. I'm in my garage. Under the flight path at uh, Los Angeles International Airport. Welcome to the show. Welcome to... <laughs> I always feel we're calling it a show because it's really, let's face it, it's not a show. It's a, it's a crazy person sitting in their garage with a microphone talking to himself and, and hoping to heck uh, people are listening on the other end. So... <laughs> It felt so it's it felt so self-aggrandizing to say welcome to the show. Like there's gonna be dancers later. You know what I mean? I'm gonna interview Kate Blanchett and then uh, a, a comedian's gonna come out. I don't think so. Everything you've heard so far in this recording, this is it. This is what's happening. Th- th- this is the extent of the show. One person talking uh with you know, whatever. Pauses. And 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 Listen, I took a break. I took a two or three year. How long was it? Was it almost three years? Is that what it was? Break. And I got to tell you something. I'm still learning how to podcast again. I'm still learning. Like the the first two shows I did since coming back, there was an entire step of the process I completely forgot to do. I, I always run the shows through this special f- system, this thing, this online thing that makes them sound better, makes them easier to listen to, I think. You know, I don't want to get into the technical aspect of it, but basically it's this thing that just makes it louder. Completely forgot to do it. So I hope you were able to hear the other two shows. I have no clue. But that and and just, and I hope you can't hear every time I swallow, but I can hear when I listen back to these, and, and this is why I don't ever listen back. I can hear myself breathing and swallowing. My saliva gets all dry and then it gets too wet and then it gets too dry again. And then I breathing and everything is, I, apparently I think humans are disgusting and I don't want to hear any human like sounds other than the voice part. Just the, the voice part is fine, but not the other parts, not the other disgusting, fluidy sounds. And so, and I had forgotten that a lot of times when I pause, that's me swallowing off mic. That's me like gulping and swallowing and making disgusting sounds away from the microphone and then coming back and trying to pretend like nothing happened that was so disgusting. So, uh, Hudson's moving out again. Now, back in 19, (laughs) back in 2000, uh, what would that have been? 18, I guess. I don't know. Hudson went to college. Is that when it was? 18, let's see, 19, 20, 21, 22. No, that can't be right. I don't know. Listen, when Hudson was a freshman in college, he left here and went to college, right? Obviously, that's what happened. He he essentially, theoretically, moved out of our house. I was crushed because I was, you know, I had had 18 plus years to prepare. And honestly, I wasn't ready. Now, since then, he went to college for four years. He graduated. 
with honors, by the way. Thank you very much. And um, and then came back to the house. Now, somewhere in there, there was a, you know, pandemic. Um, but he's moving out again. So hopefully, he's volunteered to come back on the show. Hopefully, we can get him back on the show before he disappears into the uh, nether regions of the east side of Los Angeles. He'll He'll be around for the holidays, and we'll get him in here to... Talk about something. I don't know. Daddy may now make an announcement. That's all. That's all I know. But it's just the thought of. Well, you know what it is. So, unlike a lot of people, I don't currently live anywhere near where I grew up. I grew up in upstate New York, or at least that's what it feel, feels like, right? In upstate New York, Rochester, New York, near Lake uh, whatever that is, Ontario, I guess. And so I don't live anywhere near where I grew up. But the weird thing is, and I don't know, is Hudson is going to live like a couple of blocks from where I used to live with cousin River Ronnie. When River Ronnie and I lived in Echo Park, eh? in Echo Park, we lived, I think this is how it went, we, we lived on a street called Avon, near the corner of Avon and Baker, Baxter, no, Baxter. And Hudson's going to live on Baxter Street or Baker Street. Whatever the hell this street is, listen, it's a very steep, crazy street. No human should actually live on it, but that's where he's going to live. Hudson's going to live on the craziest street you've ever seen. It's the steepest thing to the point where literally it's on the news every once in a while because somebody will rent a, a Tesla and then to try to get, uh, you know, TikTok views will try to uh, like go up the hill as fast as they can and they become airborne, basically. And if they don't die, then they get a lot of TikTok views. But it's very weird that Hudson's moving out again. So I'm, I'm sure that will be the subject of future podcasts. So the, 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 the topic, my intended topic for this episode a week ago was Hugo the dog. Because Hugo the dog had sort of taken over the house due to illness. And that's what I was going to talk about. I was going to record last Saturday, which was November 19th, I think, uh, here in 2022, whenever this is, right? So that was the plan. Actually, it was probably going to be Sunday. But, but last weekend, I was going to record and talk about the dog. And how the dog had been sick with this problem and that problem for a year or two years or however long it's been. I've kind of lost track now. But, and some of you may know this, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, Hugo succumbed to his illnesses. And so I'm still going to talk about the dog, but it's not so funny anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's been weird. It's been weird and tough, and tough for everybody. And it's funny because I think I secretly used to—I won't say mock people, but not get it when people were super sad about losing a pet, because you know a pet is only going to live for so many years. You know what I mean? They're, you're not going to outlive your pet unless it's a freaking cockatoo. So. But when it's you, then you're like, oh, oh, yeah, okay, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, family member, totally getcha. 
Totally getcha. A member of the band is no longer here. This is crazy. So we got Hugo in 2010. And I'm sure I must have talked about it at the time. So some of this may be, you know, if you've been listening since 2010, some of this may be a repeat. You know what I mean? We, so we had been looking for a dog. Let me, let me back up from there. We had been putting off getting a dog for about 12 years. <laughs> so by the time, you know, we finally relented because the kids really wanted a pet. And Hudson was very insistent. Now, by this point, he's, I think, 12 years old or something, 11, 10, 12, I don't know. But he insisted that we get a pet that could love him back. Now, we were trying to convince him, hey, buddy, don't you want a guinea pig? Because a guinea pig, we can wrap our heads around and kind of contain in a cage or something. You know what I mean? He's like, nah, guinea pigs are warm and kind of furry and cuddly, but they don't love you back. They're too stupid. They don't know anything. Both the kids really wanted a dog. But my wife is allergic to a lot of different types of dogs and cats, especially cats. But there are plenty of dogs that she's super allergic to. So we had it all planned out. We were going to get a... I think it was a Shih Tzu. Am I saying that right? I hope so. We were going to get either a Shih Tzu or a Bichon. I don't know. These horrible little dogs that people do get, but they're hypo, 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 not hyperallergic. That'd be bad. Um, Hypo, non-allergy inducing. I think they, I think, I think they don't actually have fur. They have hair. I think that's the the distinction. So we would go to shelters and shelters and shelters weekend after weekend looking at these stupid shih tzus and bichons or whatever they were. We wanted a female. So I'm just dreading my – because I was home with the kids, right? My wife was working, I'm pretty sure, outside the house at that point. I could just see myself walking around because I've seen those guys. There's a guy that has two of them, the poor bastard, who walks around the neighborhood – Trying to be an, uh, a non-emasculated man walking a couple of Bichons around. So what you do, the people at shelters, are, are, they're so nice. And they want these animals to be adopted. And a lot of times they'll say, hey, you know, if you think you're interested in this dog, why don't you take it home if you want? See how it does at your house. See how the kids react to the dog in, in you know, your actual home and yada, yada, and then blah, blah, blah. And if it goes well, then just keep the, the, the dog. We'll do the paperwork. And if not, you know, no harm, no foul. And you bring the dog back. You return it like it, you picked it up at Target. And we did that a couple times. If the dog didn't just go ahead and try to bite somebody at the shelter. Because that happened a couple times. We're like, oh, this is a cute dog. And then all of a sudden, (laughs) that's not good. But there was at least one or two that we brought to the house. And they would just kind of sit around. Like, I don't know if they were too old or had been doped up so they wouldn't bite us or something. Like, I don't know what was happening. But it was literally like, I mean, I guess we could adopt this thing and feed it for the next 10 years. But it's just going to sit there. I don't think it's even aware that there are humans in the area. So there was one day where we went to a place in Culver City, all four of us, right? Melissa, Hudson, Tulu, right? Wife, son, daughter. And 
it was the same thing again. It's so loud. There's so many dogs. They bring us a little Shih Tzu or whatever the hell that thing was. We put it on a leash. We take it up the street, down the street. I think it tries to bite one of the kids. It's being an a-hole. You know what I mean? Like, it was just bad. And we were at our wit's end. Just, I am at, right? I had, at this point, I am so done at looking at dogs. I honestly don't care if we bring home one that bites us or not. If we could just stop looking, that would be awesome. So I think it was my wife because I had I, I shut down. At a certain point, I'm just like, I need a snack. I want to go home. And I just stopped talking or doing anything. So I'm 99.999% certain it was Melissa who was like, well, listen, it's not going to work out with that dog. But is there any chance? Do you have any other dogs before we go that you can show us? And they're like, well... You said you wanted a girl, and you said you wanted a Bichon or a Shih Tzu or whatever the hell it was, but there is this dog that you might actually like. I don't know. His name is Whiskey. We call him Whiskey. We maybe should we? Do you want to see this dog? We should just bring out Whiskey. So I'm thinking, oh God, what? Listen, no, because we've discussed this a hundred times about the girlness and the Bichonness because of the hair and all this stuff. It really? When we first saw Whiskey, we couldn't tell if he was ugly or adorable or both. He somehow magically was freaking me out and wonderful. But he made the very smart calculated move of immediately jumping into my daughter's lap and just looking her dead in the eye. Like, let's go. Let's go, baby. I'm your man. Let's hit it. And he really did have freaky eyes, like freaky human eyes and a lower lip. Like, what dog has a lower lip that looks like a human's lower lip? It's not right. And we didn't even know what kind of dog he was. We still, to this day, aren't really sure. We think there was some terrier in there. Some lady once stopped us at my mom's house and convinced us or tried to convince us that he was part Chinese Padango? Is that even a real dog? Chinese Padango? That sounds like a game that you play at an arcade or something in Tokyo. I don't know what, what are we talking about here? But he was so full of energy and so connected to like people and us. And he would just like, so present. We're like, what in the effing F is the, uh, what is happening here? So within seconds, we had a new dog, Whiskey. Whiskey was our dog, but we immediately all were very, very in agreement. There was no way that we were going to walk a dog and yell to a dog, Whiskey, Whiskey, and it's not happening. When you have kids, having a dog named Whiskey just does not seem appropriate. And I just saw on Facebook, I think for a while we were thinking of calling him Moxie. I don't know. There were a lot of names. A lot of names went back and forth until Hugo. And somehow Hugo just seemed to fit his exoticness, his oddness, his uh, man manliness. Hugo is kind of a manly name. You know what I mean? Like no woman is named Hugo. That like, would be too weird. So, to, so basically Hugo became man of the house. Now, Hugo was 
eight pounds. Eight pounds of of dog. Ten pounds at, at, at his heaviest. He was a small cat. A very small cat. That kind of looked a little bit like a rat dog. He was a rat dog cat thing. But we loved him. We loved him. We took him everywhere. He traveled cross country so many times. I don't like I literally don't even know because that's the thing about having a dog that size. You put him in a little carrier and if he can fit and this doesn't even sound possible, but it is if your dog is a little rat dog, he if he fits under the seat in front of you on an airplane, he can come on an airplane. So he would fly back and forth across the country with us m- many times. Loved New York City. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Loved, loved Manhattan. Couldn't get enough of Manhattan. Couldn't get enough of San Francisco. Anywhere we took him. Basically, what we would do is he, if we weren't staying with friends, if we happened to be somewhere where we were staying in a hotel, we would smuggle him into the hotel. Because, again, he's so small. He's in a little carrier. You have the carrier. You put your jacket over the carrier. You hope to God there's not a dog in the elevator because then he will go berserk. But as long as there's not a dog in the elevator, then you're fine. And he just will go up in the room. Whenever it's time for a pee break, you just smuggle him back down. Put him on the leash. Take him around. He, he loved it. He loved it. But yeah, did not like other dogs. And I don't know if that was a byproduct of him being on the streets, the, the mean streets of Los Angeles. But he, unless a dog was super tiny, he would try to go for any dog any any dog that he saw as a threat and at his size pretty much any dog was a threat he would go for it and it must have just been a survival thing but we couldn't ever um wean that out of him pretty much now he got along really well with my parents dogs and with a couple of the neighbor dogs but any strange dog even if at first he seemed cool there'd be a moment where they're like nope we're not cool anymore i will bite off your genitals Right now. Oh, my kids love that dog. My wife loved that dog so much. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, the dog and I got along fine. I really love the dog. But no, no, like, I'm hesitant to even say that I love the dog. Because in comparison to my wife and kids, I hadn't even met the dog. They, they, yeah, just unbelievable connection. With this animal. And I don't remember how it started, but it was about, I don't know, man, like a year or two ago. I mean, it's been a long time now that his health started to catch up with him. Now, what's really weird is because of his size and because of the way we would get his fur trimmed or his hair trimmed, really, right? Um, he always looked like a puppy to us. Even getting up into obviously like 10 year, 11 year, 12 years old, he just seemed like a puppy and had puppy energy. But there became, there came this time when um, out of nowhere, he started having what I can only liken to a seizure. Like he would lay on his back or on his side and yelp. And just yelp and 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 and then it would stop. 
And we didn't know what the hell was going on. We didn't know what was starting it. We didn't know what was stopping it. He just was clearly in amazing amounts of pain and then it would go away and then he would kind of shake it off and then he would be fine until it would happen again. But this happened a number of times. Now, obviously we do not hesitate to take that guy to the vet. So we took him to the vet. My wife did. And eventually somehow they figured out that he had a, and I'm going to get all this wrong by the way, because I can't remember all these details, but basically like he had, slipped a disc or had a slip disc or was about to slip a disc. And there was some weird correlation between being on the cold floor and him having these weird seizure attacks. So that was the end of him going outside almost always, right? Because he would go outside and the grass would be cold and we don't want him to have a freaking seizure. So because that, that had happened a couple of times where he'd go outside and then he'd come in and then immediately freak out. So the doctor figured out somehow, I again, it doesn't make sense to me, but it, but it was the truth, clearly, that something about his feet getting cold would cause this to happen, and then he would be in a lot of pain. So I think there was a period where he would go out, we would take him outside, we'd put him in this corral thing that we had with towels on the ground so his feet wouldn't get too cold because he wouldn't wear shoes. He was too cool for shoes, but I think he would go in the corral and then go on the grass just long enough to pee or do whatever, and then get back on the towels. And then we'd bring him back in. And that went on for a while, the corral towel thing. And then he would be okay in the house. And then eventually he had to be in a corral in the house. And I don't remember why. I I don't remember if that was, so we had towels on the thing. I mean, it's been an evolution, man. It's been a whole trip. And then the corral got bigger. And then eventually the corral went away because the seizure stopped, but he was having heart trouble and kidney trouble. And the kidney medicine was effing with his heart or the heart medicine was effing with his kidneys. But it was, it was a battle between his heart and his kidneys. And his heart wasn't doing well, and that was, I don't know, it's, I'm not a vet. Listen, I, uh, all I know is the guy was just sick, and his world was getting smaller. Now, eventually, he just stopped going outside altogether, and we would have pee pads on the floor. Oh, that was my favorite, because we're basically spending money buying things to put on the floor for the dog to pee on, and then we throw them away. But that was the only thing we could do because going outside would give him a seizure and we didn't want him to have seizures because those were horrible for everybody involved. But he had this magical way. So we would, we would concoct these weird, cause he's a boy, right? So he wants to pee on something vertical, not horizontal, vertical. Well, you don't really want a dog going around your house peeing on things that are vertical because, man, that's not cool. So we would set up his pee pads and then run the pee pads up one of the walls. And we tried to train him to pee on the pee pad on the wall. But somehow he would always manage to pee so the pee would kind of go beyond the pee pad, around the corner, all over the floor. We spent days of our lives cleaning pee up off the floor. 
Finally, my wife had the brilliant idea, and I don't even know if I can dis- describe this, but basically he was out of the corral at that point. But the corral thing would fold up. It was just a, like a series of gates kind of, right? Well, she folded it up in a way so it would stand, a bit of it would stand in the middle of the pee pads so he could pee on that. But he would pee on it and it would only go on pee pads. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. So if you ever have a dog in your house that needs to pee, it's a boy dog. I'm telling you, get right the corral and put it on the pee pads so the, the trajectory, it's all about trajectory of the pee is precise in the confines of the thing. Now, throughout all of this, we're giving him untold numbers of pills. Especially my wife in the last, like, six months or so. Just pill upon pill, you know, again, for his heart, for his kidneys, for his uh, pain, for his skin. Well, the skin was early on. Skin and stomach was from day one. You know what I mean? Like, allergy skin and upset stomachs. He was on basically Pepsi AC. Um. But it got to the point where, yeah, he had he had a, a, a I don't even know what a menagerie no, but he had a he had a whole series of pills that he would take in the morning and then another series at night. And no dog wants to actually take pills, so you hide try right that whole thing. You're hiding them in the food, you're hiding them in the dish, hiding them in the thing. You're trying to shove them down their throat. It doesn't work. Finally, my wife started buying these pill pockets. Do you know what those are? They're little gushy, chicken-scented flavored pocket thingies. Little, they look like a what? What are those things? Oh shoot! They, they, I don't even know what. It looks like a fluffy, almost like a Hershey's Kiss with the top lopped off, and it's hollowed out. So you put the pills in there, and these things smell so bad that the dog can't smell the medicine. You know what I'm saying? Like it's such camouflage that they're. They're just out of their minds for them because they smell like meat food. And your fingers smell like meat food. Everything smells like meat food, so nothing smells like pill. And he loved those stupid pill pockets. They were his favorite thing in the world. So, yeah, once we finally discovered those stupid things, he would take his medicine all day long. It didn't even matter. My wife was cooking him special meals. Oh, he ate better. I would say for the last year, at least, he ate as well or better than we did. He had more fresh cooked meals than we did. Like he wouldn't eat takeout like us. No, he had fresh chicken, vegetables, usually a rice on the side. <laughs> I'm, I'm dead serious. He loved it. He loved it. And it probably kept him around between the pills and the food and his vet. His vet was great. And keeping him in the house, we probably kept him around for a good year or two that we might not have had him in very good, relatively speaking, very good health, very excellent spirits. He was a puppy till the end. But then all of a sudden, the kidneys uh, caught up with us and his kidneys just stopped. And his behavior changed. 
And within a couple of days, he went from being kind of his normal puppy Hugo self, wanting to come up on the sofa and wanting to snuggle and have naps with Hudson and doing all his kind of normal stuff to just not eating and not not drinking. He wouldn't take his pills. He wouldn't eat his pill pockets. He wouldn't eat pill pockets that were empty. In very quick succession, he went downhill all the way. And I'd never seen anything like that. But within what felt to me like, I mean, obviously it was two years or three years or however long. I mean, this has been going on forever. But in a way, it was within days, like one or two days. He just disappeared before our eyes. I mean, he was there, but not there. He was, he was gone. And we knew that it was just a matter of days. The doctor told us, listen, you know, he may make it through the weekend. The kids especially were crushed, devastated, devastated. Because Hugo was, in a lot of ways, their best friend through their childhoods. This very important consistency of love and companionship. And to watch him disappear was brutal for them. And I'm not going to get too much into the details of the end. That's very sad and private and not appropriate for this recording. But we made sure to take him outside and let him sniff the air. Walk around the backyard. Mark his territory. He wanted to make sure that he was guarding the place till the bitter end. And he was a hell of a dog. And he left a huge, huge hole in our house and home. And the last thing I ever said to him was simply, thank you. He had given my family so much, whether he knew it or not. He had just brought them so much joy and comfort in trying times, you know. Toward the end, that's all I could squeak out was thank you. Thank you, Hugo, for everything.
Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to my tale. To my tales. Uh, yeah, Hugo was awesome. He would sit at the back. He would sit on the back of the couch, facing outside the out to the window. I can't speak anymore. He would sit on the back of the couch, facing the window, out the window, and bark at anybody that came on our lawn. That was that was his job, and he did it very well and very proudly. So we miss you very much, Hugo. Um, to all the humans, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you to everyone that sent their condolences through Instagram and Facebook. I uh, do really appreciate it, and I passed everything along to our uh, the rest of the family. Um, yeah, this is a short show, I know, but what else do you talk about? <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, it's, it's, yeah. What else do you talk? I get to, you know, I was going to tell you about my glasses. There's not much to tell. You know what I'm saying? Um, so yeah, thanks for downloading the show. Thanks for all your support. Um, I'll try to go longer next time, but, um, uh, yeah, this, uh, this show has been made possible thanks to our generous patrons at Patreon. Patreon.com slash I don't know what. I forget. There's a link at thebitterspill.com. But yeah, the patrons like Maury. You know what? Well, you know what? I was going to read this myself and then I realized that I don't know how to pronounce most people's last names. <laughs> That's not good. All right. Thanks to Maury, uh, Esther Brooks, Samantha Couture, Paul Berry Jr., Mr. Uh, Magic. Uh, window to the magic. Dr. Alex Mirabelli, Dr. Rob Rice, Dr. Sean. No, I don't know. Sean, are you a doctor? Sean Othan? All my listeners are doctors. Dan Kuykendall, Brom Lasagna, Jay Savastino, Peter Chase, uh, Justin Young, Jim Cariotis, Edward Noth Nagelhead, Jeff Short, Megan, Rob Usden. How do you pronounce your last name, Rob? I feel like I really should know that. Usden? Houston, Rob, uh, Dave, Hall of Fame, Jackson, uh, Mike Scott, Hamilton, Harold Goldner, Sean Stewart, Flores, the moderator, David Chase, and Gerard Cortinez. Thank you all. Thank you all. I hope I didn't forget anybody. I'm trying to just read the list. Anyway, um, and all the patrons, all the patrons, <laughs> Patreon. Uh, anyway, thank you all very much. I appreciate it. Um, Next week, I don't know what we'll talk about, but we will see. What can I say? And uh, this show is made possible also in part by Libsyn. Listen, if you're going to start a podcast and you're wondering where to host your podcast, will you just not stress about it and just use Libsyn and be done with it? Okay. If you're starting a podcast or if you're a huge corporation, that is going to host up just seriously. I'm not joking. Just go to Libsyn and stop screwing around. Okay. Use promo code pill P I L L and, uh, they'll take care of you. I don't know what that means, but, um, tell them, you know, me and, uh, everything will be fine. Okay. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. My name's Dan. I'm in my garage and that's really, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay. All right. Bye. The Bitterest Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004.